fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pyle Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 27 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive. Brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, the only podcast that's going to pave your way. Whether you are going on a, well, you know, it's got to be a road if it's paved. So anyway, it's going to pave your way. We're going to give you the lead blocks that you need to earn your league championships in fantasy football, which is rapidly approaching. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. Um... Wolf, this is a huge show we got coming up right here. Maybe the biggest we've had yet, Nat. Maybe the biggest we've had. Actually, definitely the biggest I'd say we've had yet. Wouldn't you agree? Um, Guest-wise, yeah, absolutely. We are hosting none other than, uh, drumroll, Field Yates from the Fantasy Focus Mm. Football Podcast uh, from ESPN. If you can believe it, Field Yates. Are you kidding me? The Field Yates. This is not like a Field Yates impersonator. This is the actual guy. And one of the things I'm really excited about um, and I'm a big fan, first of all, and by the, and you know me well enough to know that I don't say that, uh, no. I, I don't just throw that around. I'm actually a big fan of this guy. I've been listening to him for a long time since you and I worked together. I would sit in my office and do work and listen to his podcast yeah. all the time. And, uh, one of the things I'm pumped about coming on a podcast, like, you know, much smaller than probably he's used to is that he's a guy that never phones it in. You can just tell. And I know he's getting, you know, whether we get him for 20, 30, 35 minutes, I know he's going to bring it for that amount of time. And I love guests right. like that. Uh, I'm amazingly flattered that he's uh, coming on our show. And so uh, that's something for you guys to look forward to. Absolutely. No, this is huge for the, the fullback dive. It's huge for our listeners. And uh, I'm just pumped to tango with one of the best in the industry. I have some compliments on his rankings, but I also have some, uh, you know, some things I'd like to call out about his rankings, too, about some certain people. So I'm excited to see how I hold up in a little debate with Field Yates. Again, one of the best, like you said, someone I've been listening to for so long. Uh, it's an honor. It's a, a privilege. And I can't wait to get on air with him. Cool. All right. We're going to do the stock watch real quick because we got this interview coming up with him in a little less than 20 minutes. So we want to yep. uh, pave the way with our stock watch. Ordinarily, you know, we like a little banter beforehand, but we don't have time for that. Not with Field Yates no. coming up in a little while. So, uh, Stockwatch, let's talk about who's on the Stockwatch today. We got Doug Baldwin, Eric Decker, and, you know, kind of the rest of the Pats wide receiving core in general. Colts running backs, um, that would be Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, and, and company. Uh, Pat Mahomes, Darius Geis, and Chris Thompson. Jordy Nelson, Christian McCaffrey, Marquise Goodwin, and Sutton. Who's Sutton? Who are you talking about? <laughs> Another uh, random creature. He's out of Denver named Cortland Sutton, a rookie wide receiver making some names. So some of those will just be you know, a rapid fire segment. Oh, sure. But, you know, yeah. listen, listen. I almost guessed just a random name because I wanted to sound smart when I saw Sutton. I would go, oh, oh, John Sutton. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, I would, it would have taken me a long time to get Cortland Sutton. <laughs> not, um, not the first name from that comes the Broncos. To mind. And I'm even a Broncos fan. So anyway, uh, we'll get to him. We're going to knock these things. I'm going to try to keep you to a minute, minute and a half tops on these things so we can be ready for the interview coming up later in the hour. Let's start off with Doug Baldwin, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports. So you know it's right. Doug Baldwin. Uh, due to his knee, may miss most, if not all, of the preseason. I've heard that. The last thing I heard is that they're hoping to have him back for week one. Uh, mm. Spoiler alert, I would have taken this guy in the mock draft. 
uh, before Devontae Freeman if he hadn't been taken. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, the, the report is they're hopeful and confident, says the team doctors, that Baldwin will be ready for week one. But I agree with you. This is huge news. Uh, he, he falls. Obviously, you can't overreact and just take him off your list completely. This is Doug Baldwin, projected to be the number one target hog guy in an offense that just lost two of its top targets in Jimmy Graham and Paul Richardson. Really the only guy with established red zone chemistry with Russell Wilson. And we saw last time that he was like the main guy. He had, I think, 14, 15 touchdowns. So we can't just cross him off the list. But this obviously is a blow. I mean, a knee injury right before the season. What was going on beforehand? Why wasn't this taken care of, you know, in the, the many months ahead of time? Baldwin is one of the toughest players in the league. I don't, you know, have any doubt he'll be able to tough this out and play through it. But you don't want a guy that's hampered all year. And I don't know anybody that can just bounce right back from a, a knee surgery right before the season and be 100%. So you got to be skeptical. He falls to about 40 or so on the big board. You can check that out at rotostreetjournal.com slash big board. Um, and also on the on the flip side, you got to now look at Tyler Lockett, an uh, intriguing penny stock at this point, wasn't really even ranked by me around my 170s or so, becomes now maybe the main weapon in this entire passing attack. He's got slot experience. He is very, he can get vertical. He's a burner. He has had some humongous gains in his past. Maybe he finds some consistency now with that chance to develop that number one rapport with Russell Wilson throughout the rest of camp. Other names, Brandon Marshall's obviously there in camp. Who knows if it's the corpse of Brandon Marshall. He actually has anything left. Or if he, he's just, you know, going to get cut. That was the early report that Pete Carroll, notorious, you know, guzzler of his players, was saying we might just cut Brandon Marshall. So obviously that's not a great sign. But now he has a, a chance to actually emerge there. And Jerome Brown, he's the second most intriguing name behind Lockett to me. A guy coming over from the Cardinals, can get vertical, a smooth route runner as well. Saw a lot of good flashes from him. So I'm really intrigued to see how Lockett and Jerome Brown, with no real tight end there, how do those two develop with Russell Wilson? This team's going to be throwing a lot, playing from behind. So, All right, moving forward, one of our favorite mutual guys, uh, and I say that sarcastically because it's safe to say we're both pretty down on one Eric Decker. Uh, mm-hmm. we got a lot to say about him that I won't say because we're trying to keep it clean this episode. But uh, Eric Decker, signed by the Patriots, formerly of the Titans. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember he actually played on that football team, uh, to a one-year contract. Uh, talk to me. What are your thoughts? It's intriguing in the sense that there's so much volume o- open over there. Over 240 targets, and especially with Edelman's early season absence, there's a real gap there. Obviously, you got Hogan. He's got that established chemistry with Brady. But behind him, it's a, a Huge question mark. So Decker does have a real chance to emerge for Tom Brady. Obviously, of course, you got to mention Rob Gronkowski as well. He'll be an absolute monster those first four weeks. But Decker does have a real shot. He's been superb in the red zone throughout his career until last year. And obviously, for us personally, horrible taste in the mouth. We thought he was going to blow up with the Titans because they had nobody else there. And nobody blew up with the Titans. They had no type of passing attack last season. And that's probably a you know part, part exotic smash mouth, just bombing in its second year. Maybe Decker's washed up, but if he has any shot to emerge with value, it would be with New England. So I'll put him on the penny stock radar. I'm not overreacting and sending him flying up my board. Other guys are impressing right now and can't. Philip Dorsett's playing really well, apparently. Corderell Patterson has been making plays all over the field, said, said the reports. So it's it's a huge gap. I'm really excited to talk about both of these with Field because he's actually broken uh, both reports in terms of Baldwin and uh, this Decker report. So I'm excited to see he grew up as a Patriots reporter. Yates did. I want to know his take on the situation. So. I, I'm going to go. I'm just going to surprise everybody and tell you I agree completely with your assessment here, which is that maybe he's washed up. If he is going to be successful anywhere, New England seems like actually a great fit. 
But he might be right. washed up, and it might be. I mean, it might be like when Chad o- Ocho Cinco went there, or Reggie Wayne, or any of those guys. So and uh, good chance of that too. Yeah, I'd say I'd say okay. m- money's on that. But you know, yeah. if, if he had a bit of a resurgence, I feel like this is the team and quarterback and stuff for him to do it with. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, Washington backfield: Chris Thompson, Darius Geis. Chris Thompson, due to a leg injury, does not expect to be fully recovered until November. Ouch! Darius Geis stock continuing to fly up there. I know you love this guy anyway. What do you think? Yeah, last episode, ffbdpod.com uh, slash 26, if you didn't hear this one, we talked about Darius Geis at great length um, and how he was picking up the game mentally. And that was the big question about him was maturity issues. Is he going to actually commit to learning a complex playbook? And it was that he was thriving in all those aspects. And now he's going to get the receiving game open up to him. That was really the only last card that wasn't working in his favor right now is Thompson was such a good receiving back, such an explosive guy. Geis was going to lose at least those touches to just be the early down bull, the red zone bull. But now he might just be a true three down workhorse behind a good offensive line, 12th rated by pro football focus and only getting healthier. This guy's got to be flying up boards. I love him as a talent. Marshawn Lynch, but with 4-4-9 speed. The guy's a beast. And again, now three down horse roll potentially. You got to love Darius Geis. He actually moved up to 23 on my big board. Now a tail end second rounder for me. So I'm in love with him. I moved him above Devonta Freeman. Obviously, Slayfair, higher floor. Mm. But this guy's ceiling is, is limitless at this point. If he's a true three down horse, love it. Well timed. Nicely. Yes, done. I saw you lifting up the phone. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh. No, that's a you know not so subtle cue on my part. Uh, Colts <laughs> running backs. We go from Washington's running backs to the Colts running backs. Uh, Indianapolis Star believes that the Colts' touch leader in the backfield could vary. Quote game to game. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me. Yeah, it's horrendous. They also talked, though, about how specific guys are starting to carve out roles. We got Naeem Hines continuing to be used out of the slot, continuing to use that pass catching, you know, special aficionado. So he's got his role. He's got it locked down. Then Wilkins is the most intriguing one. They said he's been excelling at camp since the pads came on was the quote. I know you love quotes like that. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah, good. He's excelling with the pads on. That's a little bit important in football, I would say. Um, but he's going to give coaches, say the the Indy Star, a lot to think about, a lot to compl- contemplate if he continues to have this kind of production in preseason games. So maybe he's the type of guy that could force them out of a committee situation. He's been the main goal line guy. They're saying he even said they want some physicality. I'm trying to give that each and every day. And the observer said this was our most physical practice I've seen in Colts in three to four years. And Wilkins was the main reason for that. So he's bringing a special element we haven't really seen in Indy for a while. He's been compared to Matt Forte by GM Chris Ballard, who drafted him, uh, drafted Forte over in Chicago. And now he's saying this guy reminds me of him. So maybe if anyone could emerge as a true horse, it'd be Wilkins. So when you look at the ADPs, Max is 76, the highest. He has the least clear role to me, even if he's the starter. But you got Wilkins at the goal line going the lowest at 214. That just doesn't make sense to me. And Hines is right in the middle at 159. The values with those two penny stocks, Wilkins and Hines, I'm avoiding Max at all costs of that ADP and really targeting Wilkins and Hines right now. Rotor Street Journal's own Pat Mahomes. Oh, I know. Pat Mahomes. Uh, Chiefs coach Andy Reid is not concerned that Pat Mahomes has thrown eight picks across seven training camp sessions. Uh, are you concerned, Wolf? No, I'm not. It's practice, and that doesn't worry me. It's practice, as Alan Iverson, the great, once said. We're talking about practice here. And I actually liked the way Reid followed up. He said, I told you at the beginning of camp, I don't care at all about that stuff. 
I want him to test the offense. If you don't have the intestinal fortitude to go and test it, you're going to be one of those quarterbacks who checks it down every time. And so I like that because he's he's aka encouraging Mahomes to be as aggressive as possible, work out those kinks, build that timing. I, I not that I like to see a bunch of interceptions, but I like that he's not afraid to take those shots because it's true he's not going to fully develop unless he's working that out now in practice. Again, this is practice. If it's you know week three of the preseason dress rehearsal and he's still throwing three picks every game, okay. I'll be alarmed, but it's early in camp. I'm not worried about Mahomes. He still has an insane deep cast with Watkins and Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey destroying the seams. The juggernaut offense is going to still be monstrous, and Mahomes is going to be the engine of it all. Still my QB9. I'm not dropping him at all because of this. All right. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I, did, I thought it would take more than that to scare you off. I'm going to be honest. Definitely. Um, all right. So let's rapid fire real quick. Uh, I'm just going to shout these out, and the Wolf is going to give his gut reactions, and they're going to be pretty quick gut reactions. Then we're going to come back with our interview with Field Yates. Not a Field Yates impersonator. I want to be clear about that. Very true. All you guys, I know there's a big market for that out there. This is the real real McCoy. Um, The San Francisco Chronicles' Eric Branch writes that Marquise Goodwin, quote, remains the 49ers' top wide receiver, unquote. Is that a surprise to you? Not at all, and I think a lot of people projected it to be Pierre Garçon, and it's not. Marquise Goodwin was the wide receiver 16 as the top receiver last year and the wide receiver 12 as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo took over to end the season. Huge value in the eighth round right now. All right, speaking on Thursday's Panthers, offensive coordinator Norv Turner called it, quote-unquote, I love quotes and stuff like this, realistic (laughs) to believe Christian McCaffrey could get 25 to 30 touches per game this season. You buying that? I call it "quote unquote" unrealistic. Not at all. <laughs> why would you sign C.J. Anderson, a very talented back in his own right, to give the workhorse value treatment to Christian McCaffrey? I'm not buying. It. He's not built for that. Maybe 15 to 20 on the best of weeks, which is still more than the 12 or so he averaged last year. Got to give him a little bit of a bump up, but I'm not overreacting. That's pure coach speak, in my opinion. All right. Uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal reports <laughs> like Jordy that. Nelson has been, quote unquote, moving like he's 28 <laughs> in Raiders camp. Thoughts on this, Wolf? I'm 29, and if he's moving close to what I'm doing, that's not a good sign at like, all. But he's, no, a, I, he's a legitimate plotter <laughs> if he's moving like you. I know, right? But at 33, it's good to know he's fast and still running as if he ever did. The question is, can he maintain it? It's the first week of camp. Of course, everyone's fresh and running and looking great. The issue was he really wore down and was pretty much non-existent for the second half of 2018. Rogers not included. He was not getting any type of separation. I, I'm not buying that. All right, last but not least. You know what? Last but least. Uh, the Denver Post's Ryan O'Halloran writes Broncos second round wide receiver Cortland Sutton. That's Cortland Sutton. I'll give you a second to jot that down in your notebooks. Quote unquote has made plays in every situation during camp. Yep. And he is an interesting <laughs> you name. You buying into this? One- not, I'm not running out to grab every, him in every draft, but best ball maybe last round. I'd give him a stab. He's a great, talented, long receiver. To me, it just is another kind of feather in the cap for why I don't like Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. I think they drafted two very young, talented guys, and the fact that at least one of them is all over the field making plays has me more skeptical on both of their futures. All right, fair enough. Right, the, the lighting where you are right now, it, you look like you're making um, like one of these videos where I don't know what happened. it's like you're <laughs> demanding that someone pay ransom and the kidnapper is right off camera. 
like uh, <laughs> I know it just literally you. got so dark. Yeah, in I, mean, there. I don't know what the fuck. It's, this it's, is. A, it's a shady scene you've got going over there in that studio, it or whatever it is. It's uh, you might want to patch that up by the time we get field on the show. That's my goal. Um, once we hang this up for a second. All right, we, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be back right after this. Hopefully, with the one, the only field Yates. All right, we are back, and as advertised, we are thrilled to be welcoming Field Yates, the fantasy-focused football podcast from ESPN, to the show. Field, thanks a lot for coming on. No problem, guys. Happy August to you, and at the time of this recording, we're just a couple hours away from kickoff of the NFL preseason. This is a good day. Fantastic day. Glorious day, absolutely. Sounds like you're going to fit in pretty well here. Um, all right, first question, and uh, we're just going to get right into it. I mean, let's let's just assume for argument's sake, there's one or two listeners out there who's familiar with us, but not you. And Wolf, I don't I don't know what that demographic would be exactly. Probably my mom, my nephew. Maybe that's about it. All right. Well, let's, so so for this first question, we're talking to them directly. Um, quick synopsis: Who are you in the fantasy world? Why should our listeners trust you? Well, well, they can decide if they want to trust me or not. Uh, up to them. But, uh, yeah, my name's Field Yates. As you mentioned, I work at ESPN. Amongst my duties, I host or co-host the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast along with Matthew Barry and Stefania Bell, our producer Daniel Doff. We have a lot of fun. Um, I take care of rankings at ESPN. I write our waiver wire column at ESPN. Uh, I'm part of Fantasy Football Now, which is our Sunday morning show uh from eight i'm sorry what time are we on 10 to 1 i was taking 8 to 11 <laughs> i didn't uh, want to correct you I'm, on your own I'm resume out of season. yeah <laughs> a mountain time we started eight so uh 10 to 1 each sunday and uh we have a blast it's always a good time but uh you know i really find the fantasy audience to be the most compelling because people are so into it right i mean every single yeah. year uh it grows and every single day there seems to be a new appetite and desire um but it's a uh, it's definitely a, a job that has no limits on the gratification it brings. You know, it's it's no, really, we are totally lucky right. to have it every single day. Um, so that is a good segue into this next question. Is a buddy of mine? I said, "Hey, we're gonna have Field Yates on the podcast." He said, "All right, I'm gonna ask this generic question, but I really want to know the answer." He said, "How long has he been playing fantasy, and and what about fantasy was it that just hooked you completely? What what was it that made you be like, wow, this is what I want to do for a living?" So I'm 31. I was born in 1987, and at some point, probably around the age of 10 or 11, Sporting News had a very popular $50,000 per week fantasy football lineup. Kind of like daily fantasy, but a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that it was my initial introduction into fantasy football. Each week you go and you set your lineup based on salary and all that. So maybe, I don't know, 20 years or so of fantasy football. The longest league that I'm actively in is probably 12 or so years old, maybe 10 years old. <laughs> Somewhere in that range as well. It's college buddies from Wesleyan University. Nice. Uh, and what hooked me is, honestly, guys, it is like a, it's, it's a, it's, I would say labor of love, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a labor of enjoy. It's not even a labor. It's, it's just enjoyment, right? I mean, yeah. it gives me something that we can look forward to every single week. And during the off season, in the same way that teams get hyped about their own season ahead, we do the same thing in fantasy. 
No, that's true. Uh, you made me feel a little bit old with that. I was actually in the my first fantasy league in 1991. We were still writing, uh, you know, actually going to the newspaper and writing stuff down by pen. Um, that's a great story. That's way better than my story. <laughs> um, hey, listen, we all have uh, I, people might find that uh, varying degrees of interesting. Well, I found it pretty interesting. So thanks for sharing. Um, all right. We're going to get into actual football here. You know, we usually talk when we have guests on, we'd say like, you know, kind of what makes you a fantasy wolf uh, as opposed to a fantasy sheep. But with you, we think it's pretty clear. I mean, you, you have good access um, you get news fast. You analyze it super well. So on that note, we're going to uh, dive right into some of the players, uh, some of the news surrounding them that's going on right now. So just yesterday, you actually broke news about Doug Baldwin and that he's likely to miss the entire preseason. What's going on? Who do you expect to emerge, if anybody, in his absence? Yeah, it's a difficult situation for him to have to deal with right now, uh, just given the timing of it. And you know, guys, I'll just be honest. I mean, you look around and who on that roster strikes fear into you at wide receiver if Doug Baldwin is not healthy and right. on the field, right? I mean, to a degree, Tyler Lockett. I think they call him, um, what do they call it? They have a, I think it's like Turbo or some sort of special nickname for Tyler Lockett out there <laughs> um, amongst his teammates. But, you know, Brandon Marshall was ineffective before he got hurt last year. So I don't know that it's Brandon Marshall. I don't know that there's anybody that you say to yourself, okay, I need to make sure that I account for that player. Uh, it's a knee injury for Doug Baldwin. Whether or not we see him um, the rest of this preseason, I don't know. He is certainly a player that kind of defines toughness at that position. But given the timing of it and given the need that they have at wide receiver, we're hopeful that he is back by Labor Day weekend or you know the, the days after that when – teams are preparing for week one of the regular season hmm. yeah I, I ended up dropping him uh, from you know i was very high about t 22 or so overall to about wider um not wide receiver 22 overall to about 40 overall so is that an overreaction or is it not enough what about are you doing with him in your rankings now yeah i haven't made a massive adjustment on my rankings as of yet and what i tend to do during the preseason is as much as i can um, let things marinate a little bit more. Yeah. You know, he's a player that I flagged as somebody that may, may have to move down. Conversely, Brandon Cooks, who I actually said on, on the podcast uh, today, Thursday, that I don't plan on drafting, might be a player that I would eventually move up based off mm -hmm. what you hear about how they feel about yeah. Brandon Cooks. My point is this, is in the preseason, the first week includes so much hype and so much coverage because we've been waiting months for this at the same time. Yeah. We have to be like, you know, the pads are just barely on. We don't have games until tonight. Um, and go from like, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured too. And the, the other big news and you were breaking this earlier in the week is now official. Eric Decker has signed with the Patriots, which brings some clarity to this unclear situation. What do you expect from Decker in new England and as well, just that pass pass catching core in general? I'm not trying to be a fish. Uh, I mean, a fence sitter, um, <laughs> but I would just say this guys is like with, with, with Decker. My first hope is that my first, I guess the first, part of the process here is like, let's see if he makes the team, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see that he makes the team this, this season. And we'll go from there. He's obviously a guy that's had a decorated career. He was not an effective player last season though, 
in Tennessee. A uh, much better quarterback situation in New England and a little bit different role for him. Let's see if he makes the team. If he does, you know, the numbers bear it out that the Patriots are going to have massive production from the slot over mm-hmm. the course of a season. So whether Decker assumes some of that role, whether, you know, it's Julian Edelman once he returns, whether it's Chris Hogan once it returns, like there are so many good players in that offense. It's just a matter of who gets the most opportunities because whoever does is going to be fantasy relevant. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, random news or rumors that you've been hearing you feel like breaking right on the fullback dive today? I'm trying to think of anything else <laughs> that I've heard. No, I'm trying to think of some good fullback news. No. That was pretty direct, Wolf. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. just checking. Have you ever this? And we're gonna get into the heart of the interview in a second. But have you ever beat Schefter to a story? And if so, how does it feel? Uh, there have been some. I, you know, it's we're not. But you know, I don't consider Adam competition. I consider him one of my you know yeah. dear friends. We went to dinner last night together, which is you know we hang out regularly. Like he's a he is his, he's the best. Yeah. Not just in this business, he is the best reporter in the world. Period, and a great guy, an even better person. Uh, that is high praise, and honestly, like uh, we agree with you. We think he's great, too. Uh, yeah, he's the best. All right, we're going to get into part two now. This is Into the Wolf's Den, uh, and this is where the Wolf has hand-selected three of your bolder rankings or claims that he agrees with 100%, and you're going to chat about it. This is going to be a nice kind of bonding experience where you guys are going to kind of slap each other on the back and say, yeah, I, I think that, too. And then uh, part three is going to be <laughs> where you guys uh, differ on a few things and Possibly that will be more contentious, but still friendly. All right, part two. Uh, Wolf, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you talk about where you and Field are on the same page? Yeah, we'll start at running back. There's uh, two guys I really like. You're higher on than your colleagues and, and in general, the, the ECR. And one's Darius Geis and the other's McKinnon. He kind of, Geis hovers around RB17 in the general ESPN rankings, but you have him a few spots higher, RB15, um, above Mixon, which the, the ESPN consensus did not have. And I fully agree. He's my RB13. I actually just kind of moved him above Devonta Freeman, which is a little bold. But I'm all in on Geis, especially as this news pours in. What are you so excited about with Darius Geis? Well, I just think that he's got the best shot other than Saquon Barkley to be a predominant back in his respective team's backfield as a rookie. And I should note this is on rankings, you know, and I've said this to anybody who will listen. I've said it on the podcast. I've said it to people that are in, a, in, in an authority spot at ESPN, I'm really not a massive proponent of specifically ranking players one by one by one. If I had it my way, we would tier players. I, As I in, love that. Mm-hmm. We would have, at the top of the running backs, we would have four that would be in a tier unto themselves. Yeah. Right? It's Zeke, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. None of them would surprise me if they finished as a top as the best running back. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it will definitely be one of those four, but I, if I had the, jo- the chance to guess them or the field, I would take them. Uh, you know, Next tier would be some sort of Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, maybe one or two other player tier as well. Mm-hmm. So I, um, what I would say is on these, you know, these rankings, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got the. Darius Geis, Joe Mixon tier is sort of one and the same. I don't get too bogged down, though, but I do like the opportunity that Geis has. Absolutely. And, and what about McKinnon? You labeled him as your, your breakout candidate for the year. What has you so high on him this year? Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I always tell people, follow the money, right? I mean, you've got mm-hmm. someone who is making now $8 million per season. And 
Last year, Carlos Hyde, in his single year playing for Kyle Shanahan, had more catches in one year, 59, than he had targets in any other year of his NFL career. Mm. Not catches over catches, catches over targets. So I just think that clearly they have an idea of what they want to do with Jarek McKinnon, which it would not surprise me or anybody if he has 80 catches. Now, the issue is whether or not he'll be able to score a lot of touchdowns. I play in a non-PPR league where I had the opportunity as a keeper to key, to keep him at around $40 of a $200 salary cap, mm. and I passed. The mm. problem, is, you know, and the reason why is it's, it's non-PPR, heavier emphasis on, on touchdowns in that regard. Just, you know, I mean, those 80 catches for 500 yards counts for 50 points. Yeah, absolutely. I, lo- I love the Shanahan factor, too. Uh, obviously, he just has such a s- steady track record of producing RB1s. I believe there's a stat, like five of his last six running backs have finished in the top 15 at the position. And he said, just like you you mentioned, uh, cut up film of McKinnon of what they like uh, to do with their running backs and that he excelled in everything he does, especially in the passing games. So I'm all in with you. I think he's going to explode this year, even if the touchdowns aren't there. The, the total yardage and receptions are, are going to be monstrous. Um, now we, we get down to another tier. And I know, again, you mentioned, I imagine this group of receivers are all in the same tier. And that's kind of Julio Jones alongside Mike Thomas and those guys. You have Julio at wide receiver five below Thomas. And, and I agree. I think that's spot on. I have Thomas higher personally. And, and while I'm with you that it's, it's a group and they're all kind of any one of them could outscore the other. Eventually, you got to make the decision, right? And, and choose a guy. So it sounds like you would t- pick Thomas over Julio if, if you're on the clock today. Is that correct? Or what, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, I would at the same time. Like, you know, you nailed it. They're in the same tier for me. How do you break a tie between two players like that? You know, oftentimes for me is I look at the, you know, couple of pertinent things, right? I mean, the yards are probably going to bounce in Julio's favor, but the touchdowns might bounce in Mike Thomas's favor. So it's about as simple as that is what I would tell you is – um, you know, that's sort of where I end up. And I think that the best method when it comes to the draft in a lot of times is like, just like, just trust your gut, you know, trust your gut and, or don't overthink it. So that's where, that's where I end up. That's where I end up there, uh, with Julio and Mike Thomas, but you can't go wrong. I mean, there's literally no way to go wrong. Yeah, very true. And then this one might be a little bit different because you have these guys a solid 10 or so spots higher um, than the the rest of the consensus over at ESPN. So I want to get your takes quick on Marquise Goodwin and Edelman. You have Goodwin at wide receiver 29, uh, Edelman at wide receiver 30. And likewise, I'm higher on both of those guys. I have Goodwin at 28, Edelman 29, a solid 10 or so spots higher than the ECR as well. Um, so that seems like it might be a tier jump as compared to just like a, a two guys that are right neck and neck. What has you higher on those two guys? Well, I think that with, with Goodwin, it's probably people catching up. It's, hey, Pierre Garçon is back from last year, and, I, and I'm a fan of Pierre Garçon unquestionably. And he could be an absolute volume freak. Um, but Five games last year when Jimmy Garoppolo started, the San Francisco 49ers looked so different on offense. Mm-hmm. I think some people are worried about whether or not that can sustain, whether or not that can be close to what it was going into this season. My contention is that it will largely – put it this way. It may not be that they go 5-0, and obviously, to begin the season, but they have a very good shot of being a highly effective offense. And Marquise Goodwin is one of those players who – Perhaps his greatest strength in some way serves as his greatest limitation. And what I mean by that is 
He is, without exaggerating, a world-class athlete as a sprinter. I mean, like, Olympic-level good. He has worn our country's colors to participate in Olympic trials, Olympics, etc. Yeah. So people just think, oh, he must be, you know, one of those speed guys that just, that just runs down the field straight and beats you in the same way that Deshaun Jackson does. Well, he can do that, but he can also do a lot more than that. And I think mm-hmm. he showed some of that last year, and I think he's going to show more of that this year. And with Edelman, part of my theory is kind of what we did with Tom Brady a couple of years ago when he was suspended for the first four games of the year was, all right, it's not that you are getting Edelman for 12 games. It's you're getting Edelman and a player that you can replace him with in composite for 16 games. So maybe you, I think of it this way. I'm okay with drafting Edelman as my third wide receiver. And instead of, you know, and and then whoever my fourth wide receiver, as in the first player off my bench would be in a normal draft, like that guy could be my starter. I'd rather live with him for four games than bypass Edelman and get inferior players um, in that round. I think that he's going to, when he returns, even in 12 games, like it wouldn't stun me if he picks up 75 or 80 catches. Wow. No, absolutely. I, I'm I'm fully with you. I think he's gonna dominate upon his return. He hopefully will. Maybe that helps him be healthier for the stretch run when you need him the most. There, he'll be motivated. Obviously, uh, fresher than everybody else on the field. I love that. And just to kind of go off of the whole Marquise Goodwin run when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback those five weeks, Goodwin was the wide receiver twelve in fantasy as well. So, um, if that continues, and all the reports so far is that Goodwin remains the 49ers' top wide receiver, even um, with Pierre Garçon returning. So, I mean, this is, I think it's just going to continue doing what he did and going in round eight or so right now is just a huge value. So I'm with you on both those guys for sure. All right. Well, that's nice that you guys agree so much, but uh, we got field for maybe another 10 minutes. And so I'd like to get into some of the disagreements. Um, and this is where I'm just going to kind of stand off to the side and, and watch like they did in the 1800s where the two gunfighters would come out and one guy would hide in a barrel and look through the little hole in it. That's me. Um, let's talk about disagreements, Wolf. Um, lead off with Corey Davis, how about? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Corey Davis, and it seems like you might not be. You have him at wide receiver 45 below some guys like Cooper Cup, Kelvin Benjamin, Jordy, Marquise Lee, only a spot ahead of Sanu. He's my wide receiver 26 as comparison. So I was just wondering, what has you down on Corey Davis this year? Not sure. I'm not, you know, it's, I'm not sure that I'm necessarily down on Corey Davis as much as the ranking might reflect. I had a piece that went on uh, on ESPN.com a couple of days ago about breakout candidates in their second year. And, mm-hmm. well, he was the player that led the column. It was his photo that appeared at the top of that column. So I like Corey Davis as a player. My questions are probably more about whether the quarterback comes around a little bit this year. Marcus Mariota is a player with an abundance, abundance of talent and ability. Mm-hmm. But he struggled last year. Um he struggled as a thrower. Like, it wasn't like he struggled with something that is a little bit more correctable. Like, he struggled as a thrower. So the question is whether that can be overcome this year. I like Corey Davis as a late-round flyer. Again, I think if you pair him with other more certainties at wide receiver, I mean, he's got a massive, massive ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that could improve for Mariota is the play calling. I know the exotic smash mouth is long gone now, and I like this guy they have coming in, LaFleur. Uh, he's obviously been groomed under Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And one thing in particular that could help him specifically as a passer is 
this guy LaFleur is very dependent on play action. And that's something that as bad as Mariota was overall as a thrower last year, he thrived on play action. According to PFF, his 122.8 QB rating and 11.2 yards per attempt on play action was the first in the NFL last year. And only he only had 13 touchdowns, which, again, was pathetic. But nine of them were on the play action throws. So if this is something LaFleur truly loves and those attacks with the, the Falcons were the highest in the league on play action with Shanahan. And then Sean McVay's attack was right around 30% play action. And the Titans were only about 20%. I think that specifically, just that one thing could really help the whole passing game. And of course, Davis then being the target hog might really benefit and jump up because of that. So I'm all in. I think it's going to be that that Shanahan X, you know, target hog guy. And and with the improved Mariota, I think Davis rides alongside him. So I, I'm all in. I think I think he's going to blow up. Um, another running back. Uh, we'll move to that position now. A couple running backs are a little bit lower on than me. Would be Burkhead at 36 and Tariq Cohen at 39. And I have those guys about 10 spots higher each. Burkhead up in my, my RB 27 and Cohen at RB 28. So if you don't mind telling me what what are some of your things you're you're down on about those guys or what, what has them lower in your rankings? Yeah, I mean, I love your Burkhead call. I mean, he's actually a player that I've said uh, since those rankings have gone up that, um, you know, it's it's a player that could present the ultimate value based on where mm-hmm. he's being drafted right now. Um, it, it, it is clearly uh, an offense that is built to put up massive points. For now, I'm just hedging on Sony Michelle as the top Patriots running back. But, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rex Burkhead is the, the player that – you know, we had a poll in the Fantasy Focus, I believe it was Wednesday, that we revealed on Thursday. Um, and it was, which Patriots running back will lead the team in touchdowns? Mm-hmm. And uh, actually ended up being Burkhead in a very slight edge over Sony Michelle. So uh, I do like Burkhead in terms of Tariq Cohen. It's volume. He also made that list that I was talking about with uh, Corey Davis, but his volume. I mean, how many times can you reliably trust on him to have maybe more than 10 or 12 carries? Mm-hmm. 10 or 12, 15 touches. To me, it feels like it's not going to be um, that prevalent. Yes, I, I agree with exactly the Burkhead, what could make him a huge value touchdowns. That's where he kind of thrived after he came back from injury and stole that role from Gillisley. Um, was the RB, I believe, 12. I'm looking at my notes here. Over that span, um, 14.1 points per game, really inherited that role, had eight touchdowns in only 10 games. And and your guy, Mike Rice, over there at ESPN, one of the best beat writers, I think, out there, has already come out and said, uh, we think Burkhead's going to keep that role very reliable, dependable there. So I think he maintains that. The, obviously, I saw another stat that you guys had, which was fantastic. Um, the Patriots are tied. With the Saints with 75 goal line over the last three seasons. And I mean, we saw what Blunt did with that two seasons ago, 18 touchdowns. And if Burkhead really does maintain that stranglehold, I love his scoring upside there. The one thing with Cohen that I think could increase his usage is that that play calling switch from Nagy to uh, uh, after John Fox going to Matt Nagy. I really like this Matt Nagy coach, a guy that really loves to move people around and use them to their their fullest upside. He said he's giddy about how he's going to use Cohen and maximize this versatile skill set. And so far in camp, he's been lining up, according to the reports, out wide and in the slot and moving all over the place. You're seeing him streak down the field on vertical routes and all this great stuff. I really think that Nagy could, even if Howard is a beast, and I love Howard, and I think he's going to be that that horse, I think the, the catches will go up, and maybe it's a situation almost like Ingram and Kamara light, where it's this pass-catching explosive dynamo. I mean, he led the 
the league, if, according to PFF, in, in their breakout percentage with over 50% of his runs going for 15-plus yards last year, it's a crazy stat. And if he gets those touches that I think he is, I think he could really blow up. Um, and the last question I did have, though, was Dak at QB10. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to be low on Dak because of the, <laughs> the weapons downgrades there. I mean, Dez is gone. Witten's gone. Who's he throwing to? But clearly, you're, you're still in on him. And I, I like him as a, a player, so I'd love to get higher on him. What what's what do you like so much about Dak this year? You know, I just think he, we talk about avenues to fantasy relevance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just has enough avenues to fantasy relevance. And I think I mean, as a runner, as a, obviously as a thrower, I get it, the weapons stink. But it's not like they've ever been great. And he's always made very, very good on his opportunities. And I'll just say this. In fantasy, we tend to stick to evaluating things that we can see or numbers that we have. And I'm not sure you can necessarily evaluate a player's ability to meet challenges, but Dak Prescott seems like the guy that tends to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. I think he'll do that again this year. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is going to emerge as like the top target hog? There's rumors it's Alan, Alan Hearns, but I, I don't know. Do you have any predictions as who might be that top guy? I don't know that I have uh, a, a full – no, I don't have a feel for it. I mean, I, I would just be guessing, just like anybody yeah. else's. It's, it's Thursday, August 2nd. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't want to tell people that I have a good feel for it when I don't. I appreciate your candor on that because most people would have just guessed something. So thank you. <laughs> I know. Right, I, I think right. Zeke could inherit a lot of it too, too. So I, I, I have Zeke at my two running back right now. I could see him taking a, a solid share. But yeah, yeah, I think you're ready to move. Yeah, we're gonna up. go. We're gonna finish up with a quick uh, rapid fire, no huddle offense. Uh, Wolf, Let's we'll just do it. we'll just alternate. I'll go first. All right, Wolf. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. throw you an easy one first. Field. Who should go first overall in the fantasy draft? Give me Todd Gurley. Love it. Um, give me your most undervalued player at each position. So quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and tight end. Who's the most undervalued at each? Uh, quarterback, Matthew Stafford, running back, Joe Mixon, wide receiver. Adam Thielen, tight ends, probably Delaney Walker. Feels like every year. Yeah. All right, solid. All right, let me ask you the exact same question, but tell me who's the most overvalued guy at each spot. Uh, maybe Kirk Cousins at quarterback, Thank running you. back, Devontae Freeman, wide receiver, uh, Jarvis Landry, and tight ends, probably Jimmy Graham. And what early round draft pick, so rounds one to three, is going to ruin a fantasy season this year? Uh, none. Wow. <laughs> All right. How about what, what mid-round guy, you're talking like four to six, four to seven, is going to win some people some titles that people don't see coming? Uh, if I knew, he wouldn't be going to the fourth <laughs> to sixth round for me. I mean, that's, I think you're asking what are some players that I think have some upside. I think that sure. players that have some upside include, uh, we talked about Corey Davis already on this podcast. You know, I think Andrew Luck won't be in rounds four to six, but he could be a really, you know, he could mm. be a star and he could be back on track and that would change a lot of things. You know, I think if you guess right on one of the, um, Titans running backs, that could be a player that yeah. really emerges. I think Will Fuller's got a high ceiling. Absolutely. I love all those picks. Uh, we call them penny stocks, and most call them the late-round lottery tickets. Give us one or two that you could see absolutely exploding this year. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know, but a- absolutely exploding is not the right word because I wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't be going in the late rounds for me if I thought they were going to absolutely explode. Um, but some players that I like, you know, I like 
I still believe that there's a spot for Trey Burton in your lineup. I still mm-hmm. believe there's a spot uh, for Cam Meredith in your lineup. I still believe there's a spot for John Ross, you know, somewhere in a, in a 12-team league. That's what I would say. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap things up. Our last question, let's wrap it up with your boldest prediction of the year that you're willing to share with us and a reminder of where people can find you on social media to interact. Yeah, Field Yates is the easy part. Social media (laughs) everywhere at Field Yates. Um, Boldest prediction of the year? At least least as of August 2nd. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm sort of like, I'm sure you guys know Brian Windorf, who does a tremendous job in, uh, in the NBA coverage and like not really much in the, the bold prediction business, you know, I mean, cause they're sort of set up, you're set up for failure. Um, sure. Boldest prediction would be, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have, bold, I don't have the boldest prediction. I don't, I don't have one. That's fair. I don't, I don't have one right now. Uh, fair. cause if, if it was a bold prediction, then I would have to change, you know, if I said, Hey, something like whatever, um, well, like I think Chris Carson will be more effective than Rashad Penny. Well, then I would, I would have him ranked it, but no, nah, no, nah. All right. Well, if you come up with something super bold in like the next uh, month, just shoot it out on Twitter, and uh, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll count that for your question seven on the rapid fire. We go, we guys. really really appreciate you taking the time, Field. It was uh, thanks for stopping by. No problem, guys. Have a great rest of the show. You too. Thanks so much. See As advertised, great podcast. Uh, thanks again to Field Yates from the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast uh, from ESPN coming on the show, giving us a half hour of his time. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and Wolf, good job. You 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 went toe to toe with with one of the big guys, and you did fine. So good work. Uh, thank you. It felt great. Great for the podcast. So hopefully all our listeners enjoyed it. If there's any other wolves out there that you're dying to have, come on and go toe to toe with the the wolf himself here. Let us know. Hit me up on Twitter at Roto Street Wolf and, and let me know who you're looking to have me me dance with, tango with. All right, uh, Wolf. You got any social media you want the folks to check out? So beyond that, other the Twitter social media at and again that's at Roto Street Wolf. You can find the same thing on snapchat at roto street wolf but of course subscribe to this podcast uh, if you're new and you're just finding us because of field yates and it drew you in hopefully you liked what you heard and we'd love to keep giving you those pulverizing audio lead blocks all off season all regular season we try to be the most fantasy uh the the most user-centric podcast out there we always have big mailbags and my goal is to answer every question out there even if i'm more redraft focused dynasty whatever it might be i'll i'll go for it too so let us know what you have and, and if you liked it again subscribe review us on itunes and let us know your thoughts and you can find the wayne website at rotostreetjournal.com and the podcast website is ffbdpod.com we can find all our show notes for every episode this one you can find at ffbdpod.com and if you want to check out the specific notes and downloads that come with this episode thanks for tuning in though we really appreciate your listens and hopefully again that you liked what you heard All right, guys, my name's Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. Hopefully you're joining that wolf pack soon, baby. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least 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 we stole the show.
Chase, we stole the show. Second down, third down, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.